0: Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's
1: Terry. Good morning. I'm looking out the window of my palatial studio in Fort Collins. It's going to be a beautiful day. I think mid to high 60s today, but the nights were cool. Uh, Tonight, last night... uh, on my hot tub deck, the thermometer I had out there got down to freezing 32. I think overall it was probably about 35 at my house. Uh, different. That's kind of a, a spot that gathers the cold in my house. But the, the, we're getting cold nights. The, the nights are really cooling down. It's not supposed to get a freeze here on the front range for a while yet. But the mountains, if they didn't get last night, will be getting soon. And the days were a little cooler coming into this. Yesterday, of course, was very cool. We're going to get two or three more warm seasonal days in the 70s, but continued cool evenings. And then we're going to get more cold cooling up and down. I think this weather movie may finally see fall patterns start to kick in. They've been a, lot of spo- a little bit sporadic and not as... uh reliable, let's say, both in hunting and fishing as we would normally see this time of the year. So we're going to talk about that today. Uh, Nate's going to join us later. We're going to talk about uh, scouting, where scouting is at for the big game, first rifle season for big game. And we're going to talk quite a bit of fishing today. Chad Lachance will join us in the... No, he won't. Actually, Dan Swanson's in for Chad, and he's going to join us in the second hour, which is always great. So we've got a lot to cover. So let's go to the phones. And joining us from the Colorado Walleye Trail is Josh Sheldon. Good morning, Josh. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. And, you know, we want to talk... You, you got, you, you're part of the Colorado Walleye Trail, Walleye Tournament Fishing in Colorado, and you've got some new tournament software you want to tell us about. We'll get to those things, but I want to talk a little fishing with you first. What's going on right now? We've got some great weather. The Broncos, well, they kind of played Thursday night. I don't know what they did, but so a lot of people are going to take advantage of that, get out fishing the next few days. Uh, I don't know if you heard the open or not, but it's been a different fall. We haven't seen the reliable transfer into those or transition into those really steady fall patterns yet. What are you seeing out there?
0: Well, I, I agree. It's been a, an interesting fall. It's been a little slow moving towards that fall pattern. Right now, uh, we're seeing fish scattered, scattered on flats, scattered on sandy areas in uh, shallow water, uh, anywhere from 15 to, to eight feet of water. Still catching fish on jigs, jigs tipped with crawlers or, or leeches, if you can still find them, uh, it's been a real summer type pattern with the fish scattered all over. Um, but I do think, and we have seen with the the use of the, the sonars and the active target, um, those fish are starting to move more towards uh the the steeper breaks the deep, little bit deeper water and they're starting to school up on some some structure so i think this cold weather in your intro you, you hit it perfectly this cold weather is going to move these fish uh towards that fall pattern in a hurry and when they do uh get ready
1: yeah let's talk a little bit about a couple specific bodies of water and then we'll talk just a little bit about the fall the fall how you approach them What do you take, let's take, you know, one lake we don't cover enough. Are you hearing much about Pueblo? I'll get to the metro lakes in a minute, but what are you hearing about Pueblo?
0: You know, Pueblo is uh, doing pretty well. Pueblo has, of course, uh, always, every year, a very healthy shad population. So that makes fishing a little more tough. You have a little more competition uh, with the bait to be able to catch those fish. But Pueblo is always a very traditional fall body of water. Pueblo has... Good, hard rock structure that those fish can school up on, and uh, they can corral that bait, trap the bait, and and really go at it as a school. So, I hear Pueblo is uh, slow, but it is moving that direction. I hear, uh, of course, you can still catch um, fish doing a wide variety of things in Pueblo, but um, Pueblo is definitely going to be one of those lakes that's a little bit slower to the fall pattern because it is warmer down there. Uh, But, you know, it is our luck that Pueblo stays open all year, so you're going to catch fish all the way into December in that fall pattern.
1: Yeah, and for people who aren't used to fishing the walleyes in the fall, and that's what we're specifically talking about, it's the bait fish get stressed when that water cools, especially if it cools rapidly. They school up and become very susceptible to predation, and the walleyes, and not only walleyes, but catfish and smallmouth bass and crappies will all take advantage of that, and you'll see slashing through those schools of bait fish, bait fish fluttering down, and then a lot of tools like, Spoons and jigging wraps and stuff will come into play. What about the Metro Lakes? You know, we have two great walleye lakes right in downtown Denver, Chatfield and Cherry Creek. What are you hearing or seeing out there?
0: Well, like uh, the spring, uh, Chatfield and Cherry Creek uh, start a little bit sooner since they're not as deep as lakes like Pueblo or Horseshoe. So what we are seeing is Cherry Creek uh, is starting first. Cherry Creek's moving to that fall pattern much quicker. The bigger fish in Cherry Creek are moving they're schooling up. They're starting to feed aggressively, especially at night. So Cherry Creek is definitely a very solid choice right now. Chatfield is more in that summer pattern. They're moving a little bit slower towards that that fall pattern. But uh, just last weekend, we had a 30-incher uh, fish in the flats uh, in Chatfield. So the big fish are definitely on the prowl. But if you want to catch numbers, uh, decent-sized fish anywhere between 14 to 17 inches, Chatfield is the place to go. All right. So...
1: When you're gonna and when this happens, you're gonna transfer more and more into like spoons and jigging wraps and and any kind of glide baits, the the shiver, you know. There's just a number of them out there. It's amazing how if you go back ten years, the tournament guys were very aware of using what was mostly well, the spoons were year round, but the glide baits were mostly a winter bait, and a lot of successful tournament anglers were using those glide baits but not really talking about her a lot. And it's amazing how they've almost taken over for spoons and blades, haven't they?
0: Well, it is. It's in, you know, the glide bait is turning into something along with blade baits that's used almost year-round. So it's very interesting to see, especially if you do go to a tournament event, You'll have guys using glide baits in June, uh, and they'll definitely be using blade baits around the same time frame. But I'll give you one one big hint, Terry, uh, about Pueblo Reservoir that most people probably don't connect the dots to this time of year, especially for big smallmouth, is slip bobbers on some of that shale structure. Uh, this time of year can be absolutely amazing for giant smallmouth down at Pueblo.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Pueblo is a great bass lake. It has three species of bass that not only has the smallmouth but has a decent largemouth population and a pretty good spotted bass population, so it it really is a a place to hit. I want you to think about this, but don't answer it yet because when we get done, I'm going to ask where you'd go fishing tomorrow, so we'll talk about that in a minute. But let's talk now about the Colorado Walleye Trail. Tell us about it.
0: Well, Colorado Walleye Trail, we started it three years ago with uh, the exit of the Colorado Walleye Association. We wanted a competitive tournament organization that the people in Colorado and the surrounding states could come to and compete. It wanted it, uh, what we'd heard from all the people we'd been fishing with in other tournaments, uh, is they wanted someplace in Colorado where they could come. Uh, they could, they could pay, uh, a tournament entry that was a little more sizable and the payouts were a little bit better. And they wanted the sponsors to be attracted to this. So we have sponsors such as Bass Pro, Crowley Marine, uh, Discount Tackle with Austin. You have Austin on the show all the time. They're, they're great. Cast King. We have all these nice sponsors, these big sponsors that help us out. And we've attracted, uh, more anglers. And it has become a very, Uh, A good tournament and a great uh, atmosphere for everybody to join.
1: How many tournaments a year do you guys have?
0: So we have four tournaments a year, and it is a points system. So we have a season, and we give out national team championship slots to the top captains, which means you don't have to have the same partner you can fish. As long as the captain of the boat fishes three of the four tournaments, and if they get enough points through uh, good finishes, then they get to go to the NTC. They're one of our selections. Fast Probe provides us with a jersey that represents the state of Colorado, which is great with their name on it, and they go out there, and it's really a good time wherever it is in the country. And then we have a team of the year race where out of the three out of four tournaments, you have to fish at least three out of the four, we keep track of team of the year and um we have a you know like a crown for for winning team of the year and so far it's been a different team every year we keep it very competitive with that cpvr format which is catch photo video release format um so we don't keep any fish no fish go on the live well live wells have to remain dry uh and that type of format keeps down any sort of uh inclination to do anything that is not uh really good sportsmanship
1: yeah, that really does. We're, you know, that's, of course, a hot topic right now. Um, but uh, catching and just verifying it in the boat is becoming more and more the norm in tournaments. It's easier on the fish. Also, do you have any tournaments left this
0: year? Well, we are trying to get one last tournament. Uh, we are looking at doing one at Chatfield at the end of this month. Uh, that is dependent upon permits in the park, um granting us a permit for that but if there are no issues we are looking at doing it one at the end of the month uh using the new software that you talked about with eternity fishing
1: yeah let's talk about that software what um tell them tell me about that this is something new you've been working on you're gonna be offering it to tournament trails and to even just competitive friendly anglers talk about the software
0: yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's really great. We, we say we're giving everybody the power and power being the key word to go ahead and, and run your tournament. It's a organizational tool that can be used. You download it on your phone. Uh, every participant in the, uh, tournament will download it to their phone. So if it's a team, you only need one. If it's an individual, you, you the individual will download it. And what it does is it provides, uh, the cpvr format and you can adjust that any any way you like you can you know you don't have to have the video release if you don't want it uh you don't have to have there's a trophy photo section so if everybody likes that stage appearance at the end instead of holding up fish you can put up pictures using a projector and a wait. there'll be a live leaderboard that can be shot on and off uh there'll be uh a uh, automatic adjustment um, from length to weight for seven popular species, and we'll be adding more as we continue to, to develop the software. Um, it is a tournament director's biggest dream as far as being able to manage the tournament on the spot or remotely. You can manage it even in a different state if you wanted, and being able to have people enter through the app, have uh, boat numbers, team numbers issued. We use the pin number system to keep the leaderboard anonymous so nobody moves in on anybody else's spot. Uh, It is well thought out due to years and years of tournament fishing and several years of running a tournament circuit. Uh, We're trying to think of everything we can to keep cheating down and to keep competition high. And So far, we've used the format in CWT and it has worked great. Now we're going to put into action this app, which hopefully will be a turnaround, like you said, Terry, for the big uh, national tournaments such as NWT and all these other big tournaments.
1: All right, and then when do you plan You're going to plan to offer it this fall to these different tournament trails.
0: Yes, we're shooting for an end of the month uh, release. Right now, we are doing a lot of testing, and we'd like to thank all the people that are helping us test it. And we are looking at the the first real tournament being that fall classic that we're talking about at Chatfield at the end of this month.
1: All right, we'll we'll keep you keep us posted on that, and we'll get contact information from you before we let you go. And both for this and for the Colorado Walleye Trail. But now, I told you I was going to ask you if you could only go fishing one place in the next couple days. We're we're going to get a little warmer today, so we're coming out of a cold front, which in the spring would be not so great, but in the fall can be fantastic. So we'll see what happens. We'll keep that in mind. You just want to go catch walleyes. Where are you gonna go in the next couple days?
0: Boy, Terry, that's uh, that's putting me on the spot with that one. I I don't know if there's one particular place I can ever narrow it down to. But if I had to pick one, can I can I pick a north and a south? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So if I'm if I live around the metro area, I'm going to Chatfield. Chatfield right now has uh the, the bigger variation of ways to catch fish. You can catch fish trolling crankbaits, you can catch fish working your glide baits or spoons, and you can still catch them casting jigs. So I'm going to Chatfield, especially for numbers. If I want to go for a solid uh, a bite for a chance for bigger walleyes, also, uh, which you can catch, you know, trolling crank baits, using glide baits, things like that, I'm going to Pueblo.
1: Pueblo, okay. Well, you know, Pueblo is, I think it's one of the premier fisheries in the state. I think, I, I haven't been down there. You said they're still catching them in a bunch of ways. But once that transitions to where we're seeing uh, that definite fall bite, um, I, it, it can be amazing. Let's get your contact information, and let. how can people get a hold of you both for the Coli, Colorado Walleye Trail or if they're interested in the new software?
0: Well, there's a few ways to do it. We have web pages for uh, various companies. We have our podcast, in which you uh, all can listen to. So you can go to com, and you can uh, visit our website there. We have links to etournamentfishing.com, and also Colorado dot com those are our three web pages all of which link together you can reach us at all eyes on fishing at gmail.com uh, or you can reach us through the contact page at etournamentfishing.com. Uh, uh, any one of those ways we'll be happy to uh, not only exchange messages with you but we'll give you a call uh, or have a, a Google meets meeting that's the, the way everything goes nowadays and and we will talk about whatever it is you guys want to talk about. So uh, a lot of ways to get a hold of us. And, uh, again, you can get our contact information at uh, com, where uh, you can listen to the podcast and pick that information up there.
1: All right, my friend. Thank you for joining us. We'll get you on a little later in the year and see how that fall bite is going.
0: Sounds great. Thanks, Terry. Uh, Good luck out there. We'll uh, We'll touch base and see how we both did this fall.
1: All right. Josh Sheldon right. from Colorado Wallet Trail. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we're going to change gears as we're going to talk about an event at Colorado State Parks that isn't fishing and hunting related, but it is outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Jack's has locations up and down the front range for all your outdoor needs. excuse me before we go to our next guest i do want to mention that dan swanson is joining us in the second hour and we're going to talk specifically about the presentations that josh and i were talking about that's glide baits, spoons and blade baits and how effective they are right now let's go to the phones and joining us from the Roxborough state park is uh, rachel egan good morning rachel
2: good morning i'm happy to be here
1: well, good to have you here. I know we want to talk about a specific event, but before we get to that, let's let's tell them about Roxborough State Park. I don't think we give it enough play on the show. Why don't you tell people where it's located and kind of describe the park?
2: Yeah, it is located um, just a little bit west of Denver and a little south, and it is a really amazing park. It's specifically known for its geological and natural feature. It's got, what is it, 1.6 billion years of history exposed in the rock beds there, and all sorts of amazing things like dinosaur tracks, rare bird tracks, crocodile tracks, mollusks, fish, teeth, And on top of that, it's got a rich prehistoric and historic history as well with lots of sites. It's, in fact, a a national uh, district for all of the amazing stuff it has at that particular park.
1: Now, it's a day-use park. I think the main use, it's right by Chatfield. It backs up right to Chatfield State Park. And it's a day-use park, I believe. And it's more of a hiking. Do they picnic there, too?
2: Yeah, they have picnics there. They've got a huge picnic pavilion, lots of hiking. But, yes, it is day use only.
1: And it just makes it just so close. I know a lot of people, it's so close, will go from downtown to go for their noontime walk and stuff. It's that close. So it's really easily accessible from the metro area. You've got an event coming up, uh, I believe, next week, is it?
2: It is. It's next weekend, a week from today.
1: Now, tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it is the International Archaeology Day Expo being put on by Parks and Wildlife and the State Historical Fund. And we're hosting this chance to get to know archaeology and what it contributes to our state, specifically at Roxborough State Park and Roxborough Intermediate School. So it is just a whole host of activities going to be happening that day.
1: Well, a lot of people don't realize how rich and archaeological history all of Colorado is and of course the park reflect that you mentioned some of it earlier and I think people think of archaeologists they think of them going and unearthing ancient ruins like the pyramids or something and they think of Indiana Jones or they think about dinosaurs and well, you might what well, we have like mammoth bones and things in Colorado a lot of it goes back to the history of different wildlife but it also goes back to the history of different people too doesn't it
2: it sure does. And we've had a lot of different people here in Colorado through the years. Uh, most of these lands home to the Ute and another over 40 tribes that have ties to Colorado in the recent past
1: and into antiquity. So what are some of the topics? I know you mentioned the 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 one school. Is that school right near the park? It is right across
2: the street from the Park Yeah, Roxborough Intermediate School. We're going to be pretty much putting most of the expo on there. And there's going to be, um, a chance to play musical lithophones. So an ancient sort of musical technology of stone. There's going to be tool manufacturing, pottery you can play with. Um, you'll get a chance to process food, how they did sort of pre arrival of the Europeans, learn about careers and archeology, um, There's going to be the Ute STEM project there, which is this really amazing indigenous group. There'll be archaic snacks. You can eat like they did a couple thousand years ago and all sorts of other sort of arts and crafts and hands-on activities all at that intermediate
1: school. And what are the times? It's it's the 15th and I believe 10 to 4, is
2: that right? 10 to 3. I was a little bit off and I was trying to remember. So from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then we've got lectures and site tours going on all day as well. Now, is there any charge? There isn't. This is a free event, so you can attend the event, the expo. You could attend those lectures, and even the site tours are going to be free as well.
1: So what are some of the archaeological discoveries or common occurrences, things you might find on a hike, or there's a chance you might, in the area or in Colorado in general?
2: Gosh, there's so much history here in Colorado. We've got, you know, thousands and thousands of years. But people usually see, so if you're at Roxborough State Park and you're walking along the trails, you'll see a lot of historic homesteads going back to the days when people were homesteading and mining along the Front Range, thinking back to that, you know, the Denver Gold Rush. Um, you can even tour one of those houses next Saturday, the historic Bradford House. They're doing a tour at 1 p.m., Um you can also see some sort of, uh, not some sort of, but you can see some really cool prehistoric sites too that um, are often hunting and gathering related. But they are where people were doing all sorts of complex lives and living here along the Front Range. And you can tour one of those sites. It's a really, really old site that has mammoth bones at it. The Lamb Spring Archaeological Site is doing free tours next Saturday as well.
1: Now, do a lot of people like going through geological areas like you have in Roxborough and other parks throughout the state or even just open lands, do they miss a lot? I mean, do you have to be know what you're looking for and really be aware? Is that why these sites go unnoticed for so long?
2: Yeah, that's a lot of it. You have to know what you're looking for, and oftentimes a lot of the stuff is buried under the ground, weathering, erosion, floods if you live in the Front Range. All this stuff covers up the stuff that was once at the ground surface. So a lot of Colorado's history is just you know, somewhat deeply buried, which is good. It helps preserve it for future generations, but if you know what you're looking for, there's stuff all over this state.
1: Now, of course, they can come to this event. You're going to help teach them that. Do you find it's a lot of people come to an event like this and it's really eye opening and all of a sudden they get intrigued and start digging into it?
2: that is my hope that is what i love about events like this it's a chance to meet the archaeologists that work in our state see what they do and how they do it and learn a lot about what they're looking for and how we can tell the stories of the peoples that have been here before us in a really robust way you know really fill in the details about how people lived why they lived here and all the amazing things they did over the last fourteen thousand years
1: well if nothing else it's a great Way to come and learn about this stuff, so that when you're doing your just your regular hikes in other places or here, that you'll have something more and more intriguing to kind of keep in mind as you're out hiking, and maybe it'll get you off the couch. In some of those days when you weren't going to go, tell us again: is there information on a website?
2: Yeah, there is. You can check it out on Facebook. Um, There is an International Archaeology Day linked to the Roxborough State Park page. And there is a website as well, communityconnections.biz slash IAD2022.
1: All right. And it's next next Saturday, the 15th from 10 to 3. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I hope to see everybody out there.
1: All right, Rachel Egan from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to take you up to Rifle State Park, you know, some pretty good fishing up there, and they're also doing some other improvements in the park, and there's year-round activity up there. We'll take you there on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. (laughs) I tell you, if you were listening couple weeks ago we talked about um, getting ready for winter camping later on in this show we're going to take that a little bit further and talk about winter clothing for outdoor activities so you want to stay tuned for that excuse me let's go to the phones and joining us from the rifle state park complex is brian pelser good morning brian
3: good morning thanks for having me on
1: Well, thanks for coming on. You always have an intriguing place there. There's something going on year-round at your place. First of all, what's the weather like there today?
3: You know, it's beautiful. This was the first morning I had ice on my car, Um, so so that's exciting. Winter is around the corner. Um, But they're calling for temperatures right around 70 degrees, so it's a beautiful day.
1: Why don't you tell people where the park complex is located and describe it a little bit?
3: Sure, it's just north of the town of Rifle. If you're traveling on I-70, um, get off at the um, the 90 exit. Uh, take that north through town on Highway 13. Turn right at the bowling alley, and we're six miles north of the bowling alley on Highway 325.
1: And then you have a couple lakes and a falls there. Tell people.
3: Yeah, we uh, you know we're we're fortunate to. to care for three different parks very different parks we've got two lakes two reservoirs that are very different rifle gap state park it's a 380 acre lake power boating fishing um and then rifle or harvey gap um is the opposite it's a 20 horsepower limit a lot of paddle sports um a lot of fishing done there and then rifle falls hiking camping of course you get to see the beautiful waterfalls up there which a lot of people. i
1: I know you've got some improvements we want to talk about, before we even get to that, everybody always wants to know in Colorado, what are the water conditions like? So why don't you update us? I know, I believe Rifle Gap, you had to close the boat ramp. What's the status at Harvey and what's going on with your water levels?
3: Sure. Uh, we did have to close the boat ramp at Rifle Gap uh, about two months early because of water levels. We just never, never really filled up last spring. So we started off low. Fortunately, we did not get as low as we did last year. So let's promising going into next year hopefully we'll get some good snow and and run off to fill us up again um so it is coming up it's come up about two feet in the last few weeks harvey gap unfortunately is still pretty low the boat ramp is open currently um and will be through the end of the month
1: you have a great variety of species to fish for there don't you
3: we do um both rifle gap and harvey gap um you can get pike uh rainbow trout brown trout crappie perch walleye um, at harvey gap you can also get tiger
1: muskie as well as channel catfish so yeah great variety now you can still get a boat on harvey because the shore fishing starting to as the water cools i would think the shore fishing probably picks up that rifle too
3: yeah and, it, and we're starting to see that we haven't talked to too many fishermen lately it had been pretty quiet but we're starting to see more especially as the water is coming up
1: and of course, you have a great ice fishing season there. We'll talk more of that later in the year. But you have other activities there too. And if, I believe you have year-round camping. Is that right?
3: We do, and uh, our campgrounds are not at capacity anymore. But we do we do keep campsites open uh, year-round, both at Rifle Gap and Rifle Falls. And and there is a winter price that that's reduced from summer, so to incentivize people from coming out and. You know, there's always a lot to do at both of these parks in the wintertime. You mentioned the ice fishing, but uh, um, there's hiking opportunities
1: as well. And I think people are starting to catch on that almost all the parks camping is on the reservation system. I'm sure, that, sure that's true with your parks too, right? Absolutely,
3: yeah. it's been great for both us and for our visitors being able to, to make those reservations and come out with confidence.
1: Well, there's also a couple of good reasons to come and hike these parks. We'll get into that in a minute, but this is a great time to tell them you're doing some improvement. You spent some money to improve the trails.
3: We did. We got a trail grant, um, about half a million dollars worth, and, and made a, a bunch of improvements at Rifle Falls State Park. And uh, we improved about a mile of the Coyote Trail. And if you're not familiar, that's the trail that loops around. The waterfalls there's caves along there and loops up above and catwalks and you can see down from the waterfalls but some of the improvements that we did was um we changed out the whole the whole uh, landing platform at the bottom of the falls and put some some rails in to help uh help protect the the creek there the the shoreline from erosion issues and and we resurfaced a bunch of the trail work, added some steps, added some railings to make it a little bit safer. So your your trek on the Coyote Trail should be should feel a lot better um, the next time you come out. And really pleased with both the way the, the trail came out, the way it looks, and, and the way it feels walking around.
1: We also headed up to the, um, the falls, a couple of things. First of all, there's some tremendous wildlife watching, isn't there?
3: Yeah, and especially this time of year, because we're starting to see fewer crowds so so we're seeing the animals come back a little bit and we're we're seeing a lot of a lot of turkey right now a lot of mule deer occasionally see a bear passing through um just absolutely love this time of year
1: and if i'm not mistaken um there's some fly fishing along that river up towards the falls isn't there
3: correct yeah you can you can fly fish all along the creek through there um there's also two ponds just above the waterfalls um you can fly fish up there there's there's some pretty good trout that's been put in those ponds so yeah a lot of a lot of fishing opportunities
1: well it's it's just a beautiful area to hike and then if you want to fish and and you know it, it, i would think those creeks will stay running and fishable for quite a while yet your lakes probably don't freeze till into december for ice fishing so you've got that and a lot of reasons to come there and I know a lot of people are getting out right now just to enjoy the colors do you get fairly decent colors up at your parks
3: we do um we, we have a lot of cottonwood trees at both Hardy gap and rifle gap and they are just now starting to change and they get that bright yellow color um going up to rifle falls there's some more scrub oak and um, um some other trees that are more the brownish the, the reds and, and the orange so we have a good variety of different trees uh depending on the park that you're at
1: yeah, it's just a beautiful place up there, and you've got hiking and camping and great fishing, and you know, you and I talked earlier, you you know, we don't see the park usage in the winter as high as it is in the summer, but I think more and more people, you know, we're going to talk in the next hour about outdoor clothing for the winter, and we talked last week about outdoor tent camping in the winter, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, of course, with RVs and things, where they used to kind of change their behavior when winter came we're seeing a lot i won't say a lot but we're seeing an increase of people who just don't want to stay in the house no matter what the weather because they can stay comfortable and they can get out and hike or just go to that campsite and come out and have that cup of coffee and the brisk air and see the wildlife are you see experiencing that at your parks
3: yeah we are our winters are not as quiet as they used to be uh which is fine because we're we're seeing more campers we're seeing more fishermen during the day it's it's actually been pretty nice
1: yeah it really is and you know and when you say there's more it's not crowded it's not like a weekend where things are at capacity and it's almost a little bit of a camaraderie about being out there and braving the cool weather a little bit but you can stay so comfortable it really uh really just makes it just a pleasant experience you know you don't always have to fish and hunt you can sometimes just take a breath and look at nature and maybe a turkey and uh just walk up to the falls sounds like a pretty great way to spend a day brian
3: absolutely yeah people forget you know they always think about the summertime as being the place to go see especially rifle falls but it's it's a completely different park in the winter and it's just as pretty especially when you get the mist and freezing on on the trees and it's just a winter wonderland up there and it's, it's beautiful.
1: Oh, it really is. Brian, thanks for joining us. You have a, a beautiful spot there. I hope more people will come and visit it. Well, I
3: appreciate it. Thank you.
1: That's Brian Pelser from <clears throat> Rifle State Park. I'll tell you what, too. We just touched on it, and we'll touch on it more as we get later into the season. But um, what a great place for ice fishing. The perch up there, the walleyes, the trout, multi-species, and uh, you get a bunch of those perch and keep a few. They are so good. They're prolific. Keep a few for the pan. It's just a great experience. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we're going to be joined by the folks at Trigger Time Gun Club. And Paul's probably going to chastise me because Karen and I haven't been shooting enough lately. But we'll see what, if we can get how bad he how mad at me is after this time out. And Terry Wixham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Listening to Terry Woods from Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. Let's go to the phones and joining my good friend from the Trigger Time Gun Club, Paul Gonzalez. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Terry. Now, uh, you heard me. First of all, I had to apologize because I haven't been practicing enough. Then my own commercial comes on and says, Shooting's a perishable skill and you need to practice. I kind of stuck my foot in my own mouth there.
4: I did notice that, Terry. I did notice that, and we haven't seen you for a while, so it's about time to get in here.
1: It really is. Karen and I have been talking about it, and you know we really do believe that shooting is a perishable skill, and whether you're doing it for getting ready for hunting, for competitive shooting, or if you just like target shooting, or self-defense, you're going to be safer, more comfortable, and do a better job. If you stay uh, If you stay if you practice and you're comfortable with your firearm and you're, you're used to using it and you're not thinking about it. And it is important. In fact, we want to talk about one of the aspects of trigger time, which is gunsmithing. But before we do that, tell people about the facility and why I would come there and practice.
4: Well, I guess one of, one of the things that we are is we're, we're private only. So we're members only to use the range so that, uh, it, it Take It's more for the serious enthusiast shooters, you know. Uh, that's what we cater to. Uh, the store classes. You don't have to be a member to take classes. You know, we, we enjoy teaching people here. We've, we've got classes that we offer, and you do not have to be a member for those. But the store, the gunsmithing, as we're going to talk about, uh, those are all things open to the public, to everyone. But uh, the, the club itself has got 100 yards rifle indoors as well as 25-yard handgun indoors. And uh, it, it is... Uh, Membership access
1: only, and it's state of the art. It's clean. It's the air is well ventilated. It just has a good feel to it. Uh, and your your members are across age groups and economic classes. And but you said they're they're enthusiastic shooters. Now Karen and I do a lot of handgun shooting there, and we come in and we do we like we shoot the handguns both for a little bit of competition between us. It's fun. We do some plinking almost and a little bit of just having fun. But we also do it because we also believe in today's world, we keep a handgun. We have some handguns for personal If it hopefully it's never needed. But you want to stay sharp and confident for that. So we do a lot of that there, and we really enjoy it. It's just a fun time. You know, you've got automated targets. You've got just everything to make it just an easy, easy um, experience and a pleasant experience. And I'll tell you the one thing that... Um, and I introduced you as my friend when you came on. Over the years, I think one of the biggest things that Trigger Time has been to us are the friendships with your staff. They are knowledgeable, great people. But we've gotten to know, and of course, yourself. And we do just enjoy coming there. It feels like we belong there. And it, it really is makes for a really nice time. Let's talk about. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry.
4: I, I said, well, and that—that that is the case. I appreciate hearing that, Terry, because that's something we—we we kept the name club in our uh, business, and it is run as a business, but it is a club. We try to greet everybody by name. Uh, you know, maybe it takes us a couple times to to get your name. My guys are all better than me, but but it is a very personal experience, and we do know each one of our members, uh, and, and that is a nice thing here.
1: Now, we talk about the ranges and your retail, of course. You have great retail there and uh, the use of the ranges. But one thing I, we don't spend a lot of time on, and that's your, your um, gunsmithing part of your uh, operation. And I think people think of gunsmithing. They think about, oh, my gun is broken and I need to get it fixed. Well, that's obviously the case. You can do that. But you offer so much more, don't you?
4: Oh, we, we do. We've got two full-time gunsmiths here on on staff uh, at our premises, so it's not something that we subcontract out. Uh, they're, they're our employees here at Trigger Time. Uh, we do everything from, oh, simple, I think we've done some sights for you. You know, we put on night sights, which uh, for any firearm that you're, you're thinking of self-defense or something, we strongly recommend night sights so you can see them in the dark. But we do custom triggers, we do custom rifles, we thread a lot of barrels. You know, we, we suppressors have gotten very big nowadays, so a lot of people's rifles may not be threaded for a suppressor. So, you know, we will actually take the barrel off of the rifle and thread it so you can fit your suppressor on it. Uh, we've, we've got a, a full gunsmith service here, so it's not just armor work. We, we've got a full gunsmith service here. Let's
1: talk because some people may be new to shooting and may not understand. Let's do the suppressors first. Why would I want a suppressor? Well, you know, when I was young, we didn't even wear hearing protection. And we were out target shooting outdoors, thankfully. But even still, it was the constant bang, bang. And I've got some hearing loss. I know I do. Um, Putting a suppressor on a firearm can make shooting so much, not only Better for you, but more enjoyable, right?
4: Absolutely, it makes it more enjoyable, and it is, it's no secret to anybody. I'm a I'm a precision rifle shooter. That's that's my real passion in the shooting sports. And for us, we're, we're going for that ringing sound when you hit your steel plate. Uh, it's that ringing sound, and you know when you put the hearing protection on, you don't get that feedback when you're shooting at distance. But one of the other really thing, the nice things that the suppressors do is they mitigate recoil really nice. Uh, for new shooters, I just brought a friend of, of mine in. Uh, oh, last week uh, she's cut my hair for about ten years, and she just kind of decided to get into shooting a little bit. So, brought her in, and we put a suppressor on a handgun. And a lot of us, for newer shooters, it's the noise. Uh, you, You're two components there to the shooting. You've got the recoil or the kickback from the firearm when you fire it, but then the noise. You know that that loud blast that's almost a small explosion at your fingertips, and you, you put a silencer, and it's like having a muffler on your car. You know, Nobody wants to drive a car without a muffler, and I think of shooting the same way. It's, it, 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 it doesn't make it silent like TV. You still hear it. It's not like a TV sound, but it's not that loud bang at the end of your hand. So for a new shooter, it's phenomenal. For an experienced shooter, uh, it's just much more pleasant, and it takes a lot of the recoil out.
1: Let's talk about a couple other things you do one is you talked about um, trigger, trigger, doing trigger work. Now, say that I'm finally thinking I can finally outshoot Karen, and we're getting a little competitive, which probably will never happen, but I'm going to keep trying. But one of the things I might do is have one of my guns have a new trigger put in. What does that do for me?
4: Well, triggers are very critical. Obviously, that's the the part that actually makes the gun. You're you're in, engaging it to fire the gun. So a heavier uh, long, heavy pull, it has a tendency to take you off target as you're putting more force on the trigger. It changes your grip, harder to keep the side alignment. So a you know a, a different trigger, a smoother, lighter uh, pull on your trigger is a very good thing for, for hitting the X-ring. Uh, if you're talking of a a carry gun or a personal defense gun—that's something that you don't want to do, uh, typically. But for for uh, target practice and just clowning around, good fun shooting, I, I think a trigger is one of the best improvements you can make on any firearm.
1: I'm f- firmly convinced that Karen now shoots me because she has
4: a better trigger on her gun. Well, of course, we'd give her a better trigger than you. You know that. You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> hey, now, all seriousness, you—I mentioned earlier—you take this all the way up to doing custom right. rifles. Now you're a precision long-distance shooter is when you talk custom rifles is that what you're trying to uh, build or do you build just a number of different rifles
4: we, we build uh, really hunting rifles uh, we build custom long-range rifles uh, a lot of times we'll have somebody that's got a hunting rifle and they got a big magnum caliber because they're they're hunting large animals uh, you know maybe dangerous animals and they find out you that the recoil is is too much so they'll put a muzzle brake on it to tame it down so we we do everything from a muzzle brake threading to uh the suppressors to building full-on competition rifles uh we uh i I shoot personally i I shoot a few competitions uh, not as much as i used to but uh our, our gunsmiths in here of course i shoot their rifles that they build and and they always place very, very well in the competitions that we go. So our, our gunsmiths build very accurate, good rifles. But pretty, I'd like to say it's full service. The only thing we don't offer here is finishes. We don't have enough room to do finishes inside, in-house. Uh, so we send out for finishes. But everything else from a simple repair to a sight to a trigger job to threading to building that full custom dream rifle for precision or your your hunting rifle, whatever we handle it all here.
1: Now, last question. I didn't ask you this. I haven't talked to you about this, but how is the supply chain for both firearms and parts for your um, gunsmithing? Is seeing, things seem to be getting better?
4: They are getting better. It's still a, it's still a pretty good backlog. I, I think the, the whole country is experiencing that on about anything you go to buy right now. But a lot of things we we try to keep barrels in stock. We try to keep actions. Uh, you know, we try to keep a lot of a lot of available choices uh, for you to build something that we, we try to have in stock.
1: All right, Paul, we're out of time, but if people want to find trigger time, gun club, whether it's to check out your retail, which is open to the public or your gunsmithing, which is open to the public or, or see about being a member and they can come and kick the tires and take a look at the ranges. How do they find you?
4: Best way is to go to our website. That's uh trigger time, gun Uh, you get a map, you get a little description, our pricing structure, some pictures of the range, but, um, uh, We encourage people to stop in. We like to uh, give people a tour, uh, show them what we're about here. It feels a little different than uh, most of the gun shops that you've been in. Uh, We like to think it's a little more personal experience. But uh, go to the website, TriggerTimeGunClub.com. Find us. Come in and say hi. We'd be glad to show you around.
1: And I, Karen and I, seriously, all kidding aside, we... We, we try to practice a lot. We just think it's important. Uh, it's important for safety. It's important for your skill. And we haven't been in, so we'll be getting in very soon. We'll see you down there, Paul.
4: That sounds great, Terry. We look forward to it.
1: All right. Paul Gonzalez, Trigger Time Gun Club. We're going to take a quick time out And when we get back, Nate Salinsky is going to join us. And he's out. Scouting for first rifle season. So I'm sure we're going to find all about the elk movement right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan.